three, two, one. I gotta have somebody looking over my shoulder, somebody guiding me, and I can't do it by myself at a moderate level. You might wanna go back to the drawing board with putting that on your resume as a skill. And I think that's a big mistake people make, right? Because hiring managers get excited, recruiters like me get excited. Oh man, they know AWS Cloud. Oh man, they know data structures and algorithms, but they bomb when they get to the interview. How are you doing, Bobby? Is everything well? Hey man, I'm doing great, Joseph. How are you? I'm doing so good. And I'm so glad to have you on with us. I want to definitely dive right in. So normally what we do is we start from the very beginning because the beginning is a great place to start. Can you talk about the beginnings for you, where you were born, where you were raised, and your story growing up? For sure. Basically my story, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina right now. I was Grew up in Fuquay Arena, North Carolina, which is just south of Raleigh. Really started in humble beginnings. I have an older sister, two parents. They're actually still married to this day. Very family-oriented background. I was actually a pretty, pretty good basketball player back in my day. Uh, I was a star player here in the state of North Carolina, in Fuquay Arena High School. That afforded me an opportunity to play college basketball at Barton College. Earned a full athletic scholarship and also academic scholarship as well. And uh, that was a that was probably definitely the most exciting time of my being a student athlete and really playing the game that I loved. So went through my college experience in 2007. We actually won the NCAA Division II championship. So that was definitely an outstanding accomplishment. I actually did that my senior year when I was there. So we actually had this really super cool um, and everything like that. So that was really great. So really, I was I was really a student athlete when I was younger in my life. Definitely my parents and my family always stressed the importance of, of academics and being bringing, definitely bringing more to the table than just what I was doing at the time. Basically, I've been in recruiting, technical recruiting and talent acquisition for about 14 years. And really how I started off, I, right out of college, I went to a staffing agency. It was the small staffing agency at the time in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was actually looking for them to place me in a job. And then basically the person that was the recruiter is like, hey, you should work here. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll give it a shot. And I actually started off in finance. I started off in finance where I was working in the back office for them and really just trying to really find my way in my career. And I looked over to the other side of the, the office and I saw all these people, they were like on phone calls, they were going to meetings and events talking to people and it seemed very exciting. So I was like, hey, you know, what do they do? So I was very curious about that. And that's like, oh, that's the other recruiting division. So I was like, yeah, I want to go over there. So really my career in tech recruiting started with me being like a recruiting assistant, right? Just working with the, the recruiters, the account managers on things they needed from an administrative standpoint for their clients and everything like that. So that's really how my career started. And it grew from there. Uh, my first half of my career was agency recruiting. Then the second half of my career is more corporate recruiting. And I got about 14 years of experience. I tell people I've been looking at resumes every day for about, uh, for about 14 years. I've been in interview debriefs, resume review sessions, all these different things, even set in interviews with people that were my candidates and people who weren't my candidates. And, and got a chance to see a lot of the different trends that make a candidate successful and allows a candidate to go far in the process. But I've also seen some of the trends that consistently make candidates fall out of the process early on. So I think I have a definitely a good breadth of knowledge in that regard. I've managed recruiters. I mentor recruiters now. Right now I'm doing some tech career coaching, doing resume breakdown sessions, 
And then it could just grew from there. And that right now I'm the other uh, chapter president of the Black and Technologies Foundation for the Raleigh Durham chapter. A large global organization. We're all about stopping the divide for black people in underrepresented communities in the tech space. So we provide a lot of different resources, career training, um, education, career opportunities, and just a community. So that's a summary of myself. Hey there, thank you so much for watching this video. This video is actually sponsored by Course Careers. So whether you're interested in breaking in as a tech sales representative, if you're interested in actually doing IT or digital marketing, not only do they have free introductory courses for you right now, go to the description and check that out, but they also have $50 off that you could get for, through me, Joseph50. That's right, $50 off through Joseph50. So if you're interested in getting into that course, any which one, whether it's, again, tech sales, IT, or digital marketing, look no further. Go down to the description below, click on the link, and sign up right now. What are you waiting for? You spoke about being in college and even in her parents being champions of your education. Are your parents originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, or they're from another part of the world? Yeah, so I'm from Fuquay Verena, which is just south of Raleigh. They are from that same general area of Fuquay Verena, Holly Springs. Yeah. Yeah. So they've experienced a lot growing up. And so I understand why education is so important. Can you talk about what you learned in sports, though, that maybe was able to be something or transferable skills that you're able to take with you to the marketplace as a professional? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So one of the key things, competition is inevitable. Right. You're going to find yourself in your career in some way, shape or form. You're going to be competing, right? Whether you're competing for an opportunity, you're competing for a promotion. If you're in some sales or metrics driven type of role, you're going to be competing with your peers, your colleagues, right? For positioning, right? But as long as it's healthy and it's friendly and it's productive, that's fine, right? You'll be competing against other companies in your industry. So competition is inevitable. I want to talk as well about you competing with yourself, right? And really challenging yourself to grow your skills, grow your competency, and just grow as an individual. You're competing to, against the version of your old self, right? So you want to make sure that when you look in the mirror each and every day, that you're doing something each and every day, each and every week to push yourself forward. Competition is inevitable. Um, collaboration is key. Right. Especially if you play in team sports, you're going to have to collaborate. It's good to have all the intellect in the world, have all the technical skills in the world. Those things are important. 100 percent. But the skill of being able to collaborate effectively with others, both laterally, both across and upwardly, I think it's a skill that a lot of people we don't talk about. And that's going to be key. There's been plenty of times in my athletic career where when I was in high school, I was the star player. I was the guy I was. I played every position. I was a guy that people went to, right? And then when I was in college, I was more of a role player. But in any position I had, no matter what level I was on the team or what my role was, collaborating was of the utmost importance to accomplish a goal. So that's another thing. I think, and there's so many others, but just to give you one more thing as well. Another thing that I definitely learned is that, that when you talk about sports, right, it's definitely a... It's a good metaphor for life. Learning how to be resilient, I think is the key thing. Life is gonna have peaks and valleys. Uh, life is gonna have ups and downs, right? Yeah. And if you live life long enough, if you have a long enough career, no matter what you do, if you're in tech, not in tech, there are gonna be highs and there are gonna be lows. So learning it during the high times, not to get, not to get too high, right? 
but in the lows, not to get too low and just staying in the middle. But I promise you, there's going to be peaks and valleys. And really, life is all about and your career is all about how you handle the valleys and the peaks when they come. So handling success, but also handling losses as well and just being resilient, and having the right mindset. That is so good. That is so good. Competition is going to be there. You need to learn how to deal with competition. You need to learn how to collaborate with others in order to be successful. If you want to go fast, go by yourself, sure. But if you want to go far, go with others. And you have to have resilience. This is great. This is great. And I'm li listening to your story, and it sounds like you definitely have been a person that has been resilient. To be in your field for over 14 years, that's not a small feat, in my opinion. So hats off to you. So let me ask you, when you first got into the field, let's break that down with competition. Can you tell me a bit about more about the competition that you experienced or even witnessed working as a technical recruiter? Yeah, absolutely. Especially like in the first half of my career, like I, I was in the agency recruiting, right? So agency recruiting is highly competitive, right? It's there's some agency recruiter roles where it's just straight commission. And then there's others where it's a base plus commission. And basically you get, if I did base and commission, so you get a base salary, but then you make a commission off of hires that you make at your clients. So that was extremely competitive. And basically what that was is not only I competing against other recruiters at other staffing agencies in the market that I was servicing, right? Because we were competing for positioning in the marketplace, right? We were competing for positioning with with these customers in in the area so there was every day there was a new challenge so doing things to set yourself apart with that and also we were competing against each other this is this is turned this in the tech recruiting world anybody who's worked at a staff agency they know man that's where you kind of you get your skin thickened a little bit right and we cuffing a little bit because you're i mean i said so many days it was like wolf of wall street man if you ever seen that movie, like it's highly competitive. Those were definitely times. Yeah, but I think the biggest thing I've learned about competition, even to this day, even like working in big tech as a tech recruiter and even some of the other industries where, you know, when you do corporate recruiting, you're not, you're, you don't get a commission off of hires, right? What you're competing against, you're competing against the other big tech companies that are looking for the same people, right? And you're competing against yourself. Okay, I brought that up before. This is what I accomplished before. This is where I am now. This is where I want to go. Yeah. So being able to, so competition is also internal, but it's also external. And uh, no matter where I went, that it was evident, right? Competition throughout my life has looked different no matter wherever I was, but it's definitely something that I had to embrace. It's definitely something that, that kept me sharp and kept me going. I think competition is good as long as it's healthy. I yeah. say competition for me, there's people that I look at right now. And I don't necessarily call them my competitors because they're my peers and they're my colleagues. And I can throw some names out there, but I'm not. But these are people when I see them, I, when I see what they're doing, it's inspirational. I don't want to take them down in any way, but it's inspirational because iron sharpens iron. Mm. Right. And when I that's see right. what they're doing, I'm inspired. And I think that's what healthy competition is. When you can look at somebody as, you know what, they're doing the work just like I am. They're putting in the time just like, let me work a little harder. It's a story like basketball players. And I'm, I always have to go to that because I played basketball, right? Of like NBA athletes, they were talking about when Kobe Bryant was alive, God rest his soul. They were talking about, yeah, I was thinking I was getting in the gym early. But when I walk in there, guess who's there? And he's done. Yeah, done. Got a foot sweating. 
had a full workout, ice in the yeah. knee, and then you look over, you like, okay, it's inspirational, right? So I think competition is good. Sometimes it can get cutthroat, but I think try to look for opportunities and try to look for environments and groups where you inspire each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And iron, iron sharpens iron for sure. Beautiful. Beautiful and said, because if you think about Kobe, he was extremely competitive. But when, unfortunately, when he passed, as you mentioned before, everybody could say that competitive nature that he had, whether it was an enemy or a friend, mm-hmm. it inspired them to be greater. And so yeah. that's so for the listener watching this right now, and you're saying, man, I feel like it's competitive right now, whatever sphere of the industry you're working in, if it's in tech or not, keep going. Don't give up. This episode is for you. Continue through the competition. Now I'm going to pivot over to collaboration because the same person that's listening says, hey, I want to collaborate with you, Bobby. I'm a prospect. How can you talk about collaboration between not only the prospect and the recruiter, how that should look, but also between the recruiter and the recruiter's team, whether it's the hiring manager or the people that are involved in that process. Can you talk a little bit about the collaboration process there? Yeah, absolutely. Say, you know, what I've learned in my years, it's a team effort in order to get a great hire. You don't, you really don't do it by yourself, right? So everybody plays a role, right? And everybody's role is important. And so for me, I source talent, I vet the talent on the front end, but in order to help my team out, I have to at least be able to talk about tech at a fundamental level. I can't go and do cybersecurity. I can't go and do back-end code, but I have to know at a surface level what that is. So it's incumbent upon me, and it's in the best interest of my team, that I do that role well, right? Because I'm going to be dependent on the hiring manager and the interview team to, to really go dive deep into those technical nuances because I can't do that, right? So that's where the collaboration is. We play to each other's strengths. I do this, you do this well, right? I bring a level of expertise and experience that could help benefit you. You bring a level of experience, skill, and expertise that'll benefit me. And it goes down the road. So collaboration and the hiring process is key, right? So our HR business partners, she knows, he or she, knows HR policy, compensation law, HR law. She may, he or she may be more, or, or on the balances of probability is probably more knowledgeable about that than anybody else in the room. We have insight, but they have, that's their bread and butter, right? So when you collaborate, you play to each other's strengths. So you all have the same outcome. So you identify, okay, we all want to, we all want to have a great hire within our organization, right? So how do we use each other's strengths and the skills that we've honed over years to, to do that? So that's how it should work with a hiring team, or even with other recruiters, right? There's recruiters I'm collaborating with right now, right? We all are great. We all are good. We all are skilled, but we bring different perspectives. So that's a, that's a, that's that brings an inclusive environment. When people talk about inclusion, they talk about gender, race, ethnicity, et cetera. And all those things are key and they're important, right? But different perspectives as well is what inclusion is about as well. So collaboration, mm, collaboration cool. is definitely an inclusive experience, right? So somebody may have some insight on something that I may not. So, hey, Bobby, you should think about this when you post this, or you should think about this when you're 
reaching out to a candidate, hey, that's a good idea. And it's just a, it's a, it's a value exchange. That's what networking is. Networking is a value exchange. Collaboration is a value exchange, right? And even with a prospect. Was that's that? good. No, you got, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Just, like, just click there. Keep going. I'm sorry. You're all good, man. But even with a prospect, with, even with a candidate, really, I, the way I see it, really, I think, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say with a candidate or a prospect, it can be collaborative, but I need as a recruiter, as a senior tech recruiter, I need to really be at service and be an advocate to the prospect. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that's how I see that relationship. It can be collaborative because a lot of times if I'm building a relationship with a prospect or a candidate, they'll give me key insights on what's going on in the job market. A lot of times my knowledge and things I find out that's what's going on in the job market, my candidates tell me. My candidates tell me what's going on in the streets, <laughs> for lack of a better word. They keep my ear to the ground. Like, hey man, this new technology, man, this is coming up. Hey man, a lot of people trying to get this skill so they can go interview him. I was like, oh really? So I think that's where the collaboration comes from. But me really as a tech recruiter, the way I view a prospect or a candidate is that I'm really at service to them. I'm their advocate. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, I'm not a gatekeeper, I'm a door. So I think the collaboration really takes for all of us to really coming in and have, and making sure that candidate is having a great candidate experience. Yeah. And I'm the one that's going to be advocating for that candidate as they go through the process to make sure they have everything they need. Got me writing stuff here. <laughs> I got to post this one because this was a bar. Collaboration is a value exchange. I don't think people oftentimes think about it that way, but it is like when you're coming to the table with your experiences, with your whether it's work experience, life experience, you're bringing value to the table. And then when a recruiter comes, they have this opportunity. They're bringing an opportunity to you. There's an exchange that is happening. And so if you're wondering, maybe reason why I'm not getting it is because you're not providing enough value in the conversation. You're not providing enough value because we all have value, right? We all have things to bring to the table. We may not be bringing all of the best of ourselves to that conversation. And that's what I want to talk about next. There are people that hear that are like, man, I went on interview after interview. I might get to the first, second or third round of interviews and then the door is slammed in my face. Can yeah. you talk about the landmines that potential prospects could avoid that would disqual them, disqualify them for that position that they're looking to get? Yeah, yeah, that's another great question. I was actually doing a resume breakdown session with a couple of people today, and we were just talking about this. Like, what are some of the things I've seen since I've done this work for years? And man, that's, that's a lot. I think the first thing I would say, and this is, a lot of people agree with me with this, and some people don't. I think, and I actually put a LinkedIn post out about this some time ago, but anything from a technical skill standpoint, we're talking about technical skills, anything from a technical skill standpoint that you put on your resume is fair game for questioning and can and will be assessed. So when we're talking about technical mm. skill, you're, you gotta, you, you, I see a lot of people, they're not very completely honest about the technical skills they have. This doesn't apply to everybody, but I've seen people that if they just did it a little bit, like they just did it a little bit, then they'll put it on there. They'll put that, they got Python, right? Or if they like have some knowledge, they just know about it, they'll put it down as a skill. But when you get in an interview with a technical recruiter, because in the tech space, they take technical skills very seriously. Like if you're big tech, 
small tech, small startups, you're going to be assessed on your skills. Be ready to talk about that. And I see a lot of people, they get advice where the people just tell them to put these skills on your resume so you can get seen by the recruiter. But I think that's a, that's not, that's problematic for me because if you have here, okay, you done, you, you Python. Okay, great. Can you speak to that? They can't speak to it. Is Python a front end code or back end? It's back end, right? They don't know mm. that. You know what I mean? So it's like really only put things on your, on, in the skill section that you're truly skilled at. A skill is something that anytime, anywhere, day or night, they put it in front of you and you can do it with minimum to zero supervision and you can do it at least at a moderate level that's a skill right so that's something to like that's something that i see a lot of people do right you have all the buzzwords but when they get on the phone with a technical recruiter they get on the phone with the hiring manager they can't speak to it so I always challenge people to really think about your skill section or your resume. Are you, and just gut check yourself, am I truly skilled at this? If I take, if you send me assessment test right now, right? I'm on pen testing using Cali Linux. Can I do it? And can I do it? Do I, if, if I got to have somebody looking over my shoulder, somebody guiding me and I can't do it by myself at a moderate level, you might want to go back to the drawing board with putting that on your resume as a skill. And I think that's a big mistake people make, right? Because hiring managers get excited. Recruiters like me get excited. Oh man, they know AWS cloud. Oh man, they know data structures and algorithms, but they bomb when they get mm. to the interview. So I want to set people up for success. Right. So I want you to do well in these. So that's the, that's one thing I see. The second thing I see is when they get into interviews and not, they don't, they're not able to tell a story about their career and what they've done. Right. So if you've done something for three years, seven years, 11 years, you should be able to talk about that. I've seen too many times where, you know, some candidates, they don't know they don't know their resume and they can't really speak to projects they've done without picking it up and looking at it. It shows that you don't really know about it or you're not passionate about it. So I always say, be ready to talk about things that you put in your experience section. If you read, if you had it on here that you ran a project and you did a project and it saved this time and this money, that's, they're going to want to know how you did it. So be ready to talk about it. Typically, this happens in the STAR method. They use a STAR method, and I'm pretty sure you may have heard of this. They use the STAR method, right? So situation and all of that, that situation, task, action, re result. I'll even add an extra R and say reflection. Yeah, now there's two R's. <laughs> yeah. And you got to be able to really tell the story about it. So I think that's one common thing that I noticed that people do. And... I think those are really the two key things. There's other things, but those are really the key two. Like not putting things on your resume just to get looks, just to get views, but also not being prepared for to answer questions at a conversational level or things you put on your resume. That reminds me of something that I've thought about in music. And this is, you're the first person that said that. I did my undergrad in music. And one of the things they said is know your music cold. You have to know it like the back of your hand. Otherwise, when you get to perform, you're going to fumble. And I always say this quote from Dr. Myron Golden. He says, your time will come if you're prepared or not. If you are prepared, it will reveal you. But if you are unprepared, it will expose you. There and you go. And so you do yeah. not want to be exposed in these tech recruiting streets because <laughs> it's not going to look good yeah. for you.
And if I may add something to that, let's say that you decide, unfortunately, you didn't get, you know, and you can clarify this for me if I'm definitely speaking out of bounds here, but let's say that you start working for another company, you're not working at your company, and that candidate applies to that company, or that, or the hiring manager doesn't work in that company, they work for, they go to another company, and that same candidate that kind of fumbled the ball there applies, wouldn't that be a deterrent from them getting that job now because of the past experience they had with you or somebody else? It shouldn't. Okay. Because that's what we want to talk about, making sure that there's no kind of like unconscious bias in the interview process, right? So what you, how you interviewed at another company, if you go to a different company, it should really have no any bearing because you want to make sure that the playing field is equitable, right? So that's what a tech recruiter like me and other people in the process definitely try to coach people on, right? To make sure things are fair and balanced. Okay, yeah, communities and certain networks and things like that may be small and things may be said. However, on the balances of probability, the chances are that may not be the case. So you want to make sure that, and what I would even encourage from the seat that I'm in, is just making sure that the playing field is fair and equitable. Okay, you need to assess this person for this job that they're applying to. And you need to interview them, vet them and qualify them for that role, not the role that you interviewed them for with another company six months ago. So hopefully that made sense. Absolutely, it does. It absolutely yeah. does. Now, I definitely want to talk about Black in Tech's foundation that, the pres that you're the president of. First of all, congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. No, that's amazing. I would love to talk to you about that because I didn't even know that existed until I, until I checked out your LinkedIn. And I was like, this is cool. Can you talk about the formation of that foundation? And even if somebody like myself or others that are looking to get connected to something like that, how could they get connected to a foundation of that sort? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am the, uh, the chapter leader or chapter president for the Raleigh-Durham chapter here in North Carolina, the Black and Technologies Foundation. And the Black and Technologies Foundation is really the largest uh, community of Black people in tech in across the globe. We have like multiple chapters in almost every major city in the United States and our reach expands in other countries as well, Africa, Europe, even Canada as well. I think we have a chapter in Toronto, Canada also. And basically the chapter, the foundation itself is about stopping the divide. That's our mission. That's our mantra in the tech space, right? So what in tech right now, and what you've seen in the past is that there's a lot of barriers of entry for various reasons, right? So what we're doing is doing what our job and doing our part to make sure that those barriers are minimized. So basically th there's, we talk about career opportunities, right? So we want to make sure we have a channel or a flow of where companies and tech recruiters can get to our members about opportunities in tech, right? We want to make sure that we have educational opportunities, right? So we have a scholarship program for people who don't have a four-year degree in tech where they'll be able to get accepted in and they'll be able to chart the path, right? So we have things like that. We have opportunities where people can get certified, right? We even have for entrepreneurs who are running their own businesses or starting their own businesses, right? We have a small business accelerator. These are some of the programs that are established not only at the chapter level, but across Black and Technologies Foundation, right? We provide opportunity for network. So that's more so done at the chapter level where we try to bring people in to kind of network, mix and mingle in a low pressure environment. We do career fairs, we do job fairs. We have our own job board where we have tech opportunities at these companies that are hiring. Some of our major partners 
are big tech companies. So we have partners and sponsors that back us, right? We throw our own conference every year. There's the Afrotechs of the world. There's the Render ATLs of the world. Blackest Tech. I've been to all of them. I haven't been to Afrotech. I'm, I'm going to try to go this year. You um, me both. <laughs> yeah, man. So we have Con, which is basically very similar to all those conferences, right? We have keynote speakers come in. I think we had Anthony Mays talk one year. He came and spoke. So we have just all the other conferences. We have heavy hitters in the text that come and talk and present. We have day parties. We have VIP dinners, right? We have all these different things, right? We have networking opportunities. We have companies that come and set up booths and they recruit people. So it's a, it's a big tech conference, just like all the other ones. Last year, we were at Disney World. BigCon 2022 was in, in Walt Disney. This year, September 5th through the 7th, is going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. So yeah, so that's basically a description of it. We do a lot of great work. There's a chapter or chapters in every major city. So if you're looking for a place for belonging, if you're looking for a place for affirmation, if you're looking for a place where I'm Black and I want to be with other techies, that's it. That's we have those chapters and all those chapters have leaders. So what I would encourage you definitely you can get in contact with me or you can just look us up. We have a whole website. It's amazing. And you can get connected with a chapter leader in your city. Right. And they can walk you through and get you acclimated and get you because we have we and this and we don't charge membership. We don't have a membership fee. Really? So, yeah. Hmm. And the thing is that we have people who are not non not in tech. Right. We have accountants and sales engineers and sales reps so it's you don't have to, you don't have to be a techie to be a part of the found the foundation part of the group you can be interested in you can be or you can want to join in the cause and we also we are very inclusive we have members that and that actually chapter presidents who come from different backgrounds right so we're not turning anybody away anybody who cares about the cause anybody who cares about tech anybody who's in tech who wants to have that community, you're welcome to join Black and Technologies Foundation. That right there, y'all. If y'all weren't, let's pay attention to anything else, which I'm pretty sure you were. But <laughs> if you want to remember something right that right there, Black in Tech Foundation, right? I'm going to put the description below for him. I'm going to put also his LinkedIn as well if you want to connect with him. But I'm definitely going to put the website below. And hey, check it out. Some people have been asking for community. Some people have been searching for community. Yes, we have a virtual community, but what? how powerful would it be to find people in your actual area where you live that you can talk, network, and basically chop it up with and grow together? And so that 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 is that's amazing. I'm going to be signed up for the one in New Jersey. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm going to definitely be a part of that for sure. Now, you talked about this already, which is resilience. And that, that mindset is what you need. I wanted to ask you now that we're moving to the brain. What would you sum up? Would that be the word that you would sum up for somebody to basically not only be where you are, but to scale from there? Or is there another word or another mindset you would probably say somebody needs to have? Yeah, I think I think resilience is the proper word. We want to really break it down. I think challenges, trials and tribulations in life are going to come. And I think you can't be I'm going to say this to you. You can't be resilient alone. I'm going to say that again. You can't be resilient by yourself. And I think one of the things I talk about me being resilient and me having the right mindset, and that's great, but you got to have a community. You got to have, if it's not your family, some friends, some people that can help you navigate and get out of the valleys, right? So I think that's one of the main things is you can't be resilient by yourself. You're going to need, you're going to need to lean on people and everything like that. So I think that's really key. And I think a lot of times people try to be resilient by themselves. 
and and that's not good it's not good to be a lone wolf in a valley when it's you know so I would say is resilience. If we had to break that down, we talk. We there's always this image or this yeah, this image of somebody doing it by themselves, and you don't have to be strong alone. You don't have no hundred percent don't have to do that. So I think that's key. I think having the mindset that you know, hey, I'll just relate it back to sports, right? Because a lot of those things I've used in my career, right? Even if we had a bad loss or it was an upset. The rule of thumb is, hey, we're only going to be, we're going to feel bad about it for a day. And then after that, we got to really, okay, you can continue to feel, feel every way you want to feel because we're all human. But sooner or later, you're going to have to try to, okay, how do I get out of this? How are you going to get out? How am I start like planning that and start like getting with your people that love you, people that care about you, that kind of lift you up because you, you can't be resilient alone. I can't stress that enough. And I think a lot of times when people try to do that, you end up burning yourself out. You end up over-exhausting yourself. And that's just not healthy. So that would be, that. that's my whole perspective on that. And that is, that's absolutely true. If, as I said it before, if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. But if you want to go far, you need a team. You need yeah. people. That's perfect segue to talk again about Blacks and Technology Foundation. Yeah. Get connected. Get connected and find your place. Find your people because you cannot do this alone. And yeah. just, man, you want to say yeah. something else, Bobby? Uh, yeah, and it just, if I could have just related to myself, man, like yeah. I, I didn't accomplish all the great things I did as a high school athlete by myself. You know, I didn't win a national championship at Barton College by myself. I most certainly did not. I didn't even become the chapter president in Blacks and Technologies in Raleigh-Durham by myself. I, we have a great team. And I'll say this on this channel, my leadership team is phenomenal. We do the things we do because we have a great team. I didn't get this far in my career, 14-year career in the tech game by myself. There were people who helped me. There were people, and I've seen in, I've seen in my career a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys, not only me, but also in the job market. I've seen ups and downs and I didn't, I didn't get this far by myself. There was somebody that believed in me. There was somebody who gave me, Hey, gave me a good, Hey man, you might want to check this. I gave me a heads up, but also here's the thing too. I had to do that for other people as well. Now I was at a peak and other people were in valleys. I had to make some deposits in people. That's I had to, good. You know what I mean? Because networking, collaboration, all of this stuff, man. One, one of the biggest thing I learned in my career, one of the biggest things I learned about networking and how we can move on. But the philosophy of deposits and withdrawals. A lot of yeah. times people go in, just going to things, just looking to get withdrawals from people. They're looking to, get, what can I get out of my community? What can I get out of my network? But when you go into it like that, the people that you're looking to get things out of, eventually you're going to overdraft on them and they're going to get exhausted. Yep. That's why I said networking is a value exchange. Collaboration is a value exchange because eventually you're going to have to make some deposits and you got to come into situations like, okay, what can I give to my people? What can I give to my community? What can I give to my network? What can I give to my team? Because sometimes you're going to have to make some deposits in the people before they, they return the favor, right? So that's just an important concept, man, to make sure not only there's gonna people that's gonna be that gonna one hundred percent be there for you, but you got to be there for other people too. You got to pay it. For, you got to pay it forward. Absolutely, absolutely. The same posture to give is the same posture to receive. An open hand. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you right now. If you are listening to this, have that mentality of a giver. Have that mentality of a giver, because when you give, and you give it without wanting or even desiring, like Bobby said, it's gonna come back to you. 
they'll come back to you in ways yeah. that you couldn't even imagine or think. I could go down a laundry list of, of people that said, hey, man, I want to give this to you just because they gave. My mother was great that way. She used to give her time, talent, and treasure. And the things that she used to receive in return, I was like, man, you could not, we could not afford to pay for that. Yeah. But she received so much because she was a giver. And that's the same heart and mind that you should have as a person that is willing to give. Yep. And so that being said, thank you so much, Bobby, for this conversation. This has been great. I know that people are going to look back and say, man, there are gems in here. There are gems in here. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. But yeah, thank you, Joseph. I appreciate it, man. This was really great. I appreciate you having me on. And I hope hopefully the things I said were helpful to somebody out there. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to do this, man. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I know they were helpful, helpful to, to me. That's all. <laughs> so yeah, so you got now. <laughs> yeah, I oh, yeah. appreciate it, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you again, family, for tuning in. We're so excited that you joined us. Until next time, like I always say, I hope to see you on the other side. Take care, family. <laughs>